Welcome back. Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't know if the red light was on yet or not, gang. Welcome back to another episode of the Spokane Business Insider. I'm your host, Chris Angel, here with my co-host, Val Moni. What's up, Val? Hey, Chris. Hello, friend. And we've got a guest uh, and friend, uh, Debbie Heiser. Hi, Debbie. Hey, Chris and Val. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for being here. Now, I, you know, we'll say Spokane because you come down here quite a bit. You've been an <laughs> adjunct professor at Gonzaga. Did I say that right? An adjunct professor? Yes. Yes, that's true. Yes. So, you know, you're, you're in the stomping grass, but you, you actually live up in Sandpoint area. Which is I do. Sweet. One of the most beautiful places in the world. So awesome. And you get to go skiing at Schweitzer every now and then. I see some ski photos of you on Schweitzer. Yes, I do have to say, if we don't get some snow pretty soon, I'm going to get a little grumpy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Debbie, I, I was definitely eager to talk to you. I, you know, this podcast and what Val and I are doing with the Groundswell Collective uh, in Spokane as a community of business owners is um, incubating, nurturing, encouraging a conversation about, you know, social impact, consciousness in business. How do we use our business to make an impact in the world? And so uh, this podcast was a way for us to interview and talk to others who are in business that have a similar perspective. And, and that's why I thought of you. So, um, you know, give everybody a sense of um, who you are for social impact in the world through business. You can do whatever you want with that question. <laughs> wow. I know. It's like that. that can be <laughs> go wherever you want to go. <laughs> well, what I say is I'm a chief igniter. So, Ooh, like and really what that's about is for the lack of better term, what I do is I help entrepreneurs make a lot of money doing what they love to do without sacrificing what's important to them. Because I see way too many business owners, they get into business thinking it's going to be one way. And I don't blow smoke. You know, the first year or so it's, it, you're learning, you're doing all these things. So it does take a little bit more time and energy, but ultimately at the end of the day, the business should be a conduit to what you want your life to look like, mm-hmm. not have your life revolve around. And I just see way too many people in that situation and they're unhappy and disillusioned and they offer great products and services, but they just are tired and they're burnt out. And I just, I think life is too short not to have a lit up life. Yeah. Are all your clients um, business people? Are they in business for themselves? You know, Chris, that's a really good question because I've been open to anything. I do have some clients that are in corporations. I've had some that are career-based people that are trying to move up into a C-suite position. And so we work in that angle because it's really, when I coach, we look at the holistic life, not just business. Business is a piece of that. So business slash career. I live by the 80-20 rule, plus or minus 10, and my business model is set up to have about 20% of folks be either corporate, like I've worked with some businesses where I coach their C-suite folks. I've got a coaching gig that's coming down through Gonzaga right now with some an employee and a manager that are struggling with communication. You know, they're just so different. They don't they're having a hard time with that. So about 20% of my model is there. I will say most of the people I work with are women, but I do like, I have three people right now that are men out of a group of about 12. So, um, aside from the mastermind, um, but just private client wise. So I tend to work mostly with business women. I, it feels like the, the people that are attracted to me are in one of two spots. They're either starting something up or wanting to start something up and eventually leave their, what I call W2 jobs. Yeah. 
Um, or they've been in it and they're in that disillusionment stage and they're just like, I, the only other option I have is I'm going to close, right? Like it's either yeah. I'm going to work with you and something's going to change or I'm just going to close it up because I'm tired of this. Yeah. Um, I don't tend to work with people that are later in the cycle. I have helped people get their business ready to sell. Um, so I'm not opposed to that, but it feels like those kind of, and those are pretty broad, but those two types of clients are what tends to be attracted to me. You, you, you've said that you, before we hit record, you're talking about how you, so you can do the business side of things, structure, strategy, yeah. things like that, but you also can go to work on identity and the importance of identity and who you are. And I think that'd be interesting to explore because I think a lot of the business podcasts, business coaching, business conversations are around strategy, tactics, hustle, grind, all that innovation, disruption. But, but I think one of the things that's missing that I've noticed um, a lot of times is without um, the latest trend to hustle and grind over, people don't really know who they are. Like we're like, we don't know what we want. We don't know who we are. And um, I think that gets overlooked. So talk to us a little bit about what you've noticed about identity, where what's missing, how do you find it? Yeah, Chris, how I start, because if if someone starts with me and I say, who are you? What's your true identity? They get overwhelmed, right? Yeah. Because to your point, they just don't know. And I'm a firm believer in a tool called transactional analysis, where we all have four people in our head. They are ourselves, but it's, you know, in your case and Val's case, it's a little boy. For me, it's a little girl, right? Gender aside, right? That's just what we associate with. Um, and then we have our adolescent, then we have our critical parent. Now that's not our parents, but it's us parenting ourselves. And I always say, if you find yourself shooting on yourself, mm -hmm. that's an indication your critic is out. Or if I hear someone say I'm my worst critic, then I know we need to unlock a lot of messaging that they feel like they should be doing something a certain way. So the theme I see is that People don't realize that they spend most of their time in their adolescence. When people are burned out, they're tired, whatever the case would be, that they've spent the majority of their time in their adolescence. It's not bad. There's good things to all of those different places. But the goal is, is to get you into your mature adult, tell the, the critical parent, thank you for trying to keep me safe, but I need for you to sit down now and be quiet and, and then keep that adolescent and that little person safe. And so part of what I do is I help people dream again because we get so bogged down. And in my opinion, we are inundated with so many messages that are cultural norms and who, who we should be. I saw that a lot when I moved to the Pacific Northwest because different areas in the U.S. have different cultures. And, you know, for the most part, I grew up, I moved a lot when I was a kid, but between Chicago, Denver, Kansas City, Midwest, right? Very Bible belt. Then I moved to the Pacific Northwest and people talk differently than they do in the, you know, like, and things are different here. And, and so helping people to uncover that it doesn't matter where you're at, but it's really about who you are and understanding that. Like I have a big piece with this when it comes to, and I'm kind of pontificating everywhere, but a big piece for me about understanding your true identity is when you know your true identity, you don't have to put up boundaries. A boundary puts up a wall. So if I put a boundary up with you, Chris or Val, I'm putting a wall up, which then separates the relationship versus, you know what, Chris, you know what, Val, I love that you're doing X, Y, and Z. It's just not for me. And I so appreciate it and I'll support you in whatever way, but here's where I'm at. And then it's not this defensive yeah. kind of behavior. It's more of, I know what's right for me and I can stand tall in that. Right. 
I think, you know, it's interesting because I, the, I've been interested in personal development for 20 plus years. I love, I've always been curious. I've always feel like I've gone to work on myself. And, and in that, a lot of that was just moving through different phases of those, the child, the adolescent, the teenager, like moving through the, the parent, the critic, moving through these different identities and, and, and all the while being in business, right. For myself. So picture 20 years of making business decisions and, putting in lots of effort and hustle to prove to myself or prove to my inner critic or prove to the world that I can do. There's a lot of energy in business being exerted from these other identities that maybe are not the higher self. They're not the, I don't know how, what word you would use for it. Not the true self, not the higher self, but I think there's, I think a lot of us are experiencing this discontent from who we feel like we've had to be. Yeah. in these different personas versus what our heart really wants to do. Yeah. Do you see that at yeah. all when you're coaching? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because what ends up happening and I call them double binds or loyalty packs Yeah. because we make these contracts with people we love and we don't want to say that they're wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. So we'll go off and do things um, because we feel like that's what we should be doing. When in fact, when you break through from that and truly understand what your true identity is, it's so much easier to lead a lit up life because you do know who you are. And it doesn't mean that I know who I am all the time. There, It's layers, you know, and even every time I level up and I try to do something different, that's a little scary, it pops back up, right? It's a different layer that then I just have to work through. Um, and I always want to stay in touch with my little child. As a matter of fact, People might roll their eyes when they hear me say this, and I would challenge both you and Val over the Christmas holiday is I give them homework to either go finger paint or I tell them to go buy marshmallows and leave your animals outside of the room. But once you're ready, you tell your family to come in and you have a marshmallow fight because we have to stay tapped into that little child, right? The emotion, the fun, the creativity, because really innovation is just an adult word for imagination. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Right. And so I see this all the time, Chris, where people have these messages. I will say a couple that tend to be always there is money stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have money stories and it usually reverts down to value. And I always tell people you have to quit giving friends and family rate because everyone I meet's a friend. Right. And so you're in business because you also want to make money. It's not the only thing, but it is a measure of what you're doing. Right. Um, and I typically always say to people, how many of you have ever heard that money doesn't grow on trees? Because most of the time, I don't know, Val, Chris, have you heard that before? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it does grow on trees. You want to know why? It's paper. <laughs> right. And so part of what I help do is uncover some of those messages that people have around scarcity, because if we're in a scarcity mode, part of that inner game stuff is about vibration. And if I'm vibrating in scarcity, I'm not going to attract the people that I want into my business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The other thing is, is time. People have a time story. And I know it took me a few years to realize, oh, I'm the keeper of my own schedule. I can go ski Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings and come to work. I don't have to work eight to five Monday through Friday. Right now, some businesses, because you have a brick and mortar, that's important. Now, as a past real estate agent, you get it too, that sometimes you're working all over different time zones, different times because of the client's needs that they have. But typically, 
people that have grown up in a W-2 job, they struggle with that time story. And then there's all sorts of things that ends up happening with parents. And I always say, love is not on the table, right? Uh, Regardless of the situation that you came from, your parents did the best they could with what they knew. Right. Right. And so it's about then uncovering and being able to even heal some generational messaging that took place for you to then move forward into where you want to go. But money is the biggest one. And unlocking that then helps people get their arms around charging what they're worth and knowing that what they're providing is valuable. I, um, I, I, I'm, it, it's hard for me to not take everything you're saying personally, cause I'm loving what you are generating. And just on the money piece in my last business, I spent years giving away advertising to businesses that I felt didn't have the budget. So I would just make it affordable for them. And all it did ultimately was produce a lot of anxiety on my part because I have fixed expenses that I have to cover and they have no allowance for the great deal that I gave somebody to make them feel better. So towards the end of my tenure with the Huckleberry Press, a newspaper that I, well, I'm still the editor of, but I don't own it anymore, thankfully, but uh, I started charging full price and no discounts. And what I found was the very same people who had no budget previously suddenly had all kinds of budget to pay the full price without hesitation. (laughs) And there was a big lesson. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that, Val, because so I've done a Vivid Vision, which there's a great book out there called Vivid Vision that talks about doing a three-year vision. If you go out much, much past three years, it becomes nebulous. And one of the statements I have in there about how we make money is that we do not insult our clients by failing to believe that they can pay. Yeah. I totally get Uh, it. Yeah. I had, so one of my, I don't know, this was probably three years ago or four years ago. And this person has been a client in one way, shape or form in a program that I've had. She came in, she worked at one of these um, kind of outdoor schools for troubled teens um, over in Montana. And she just got her massage therapy license. And she came into my office and I'm like, how, like she, how can she pay this? Right? Like, I, I don't, I I don't know if I in good conscience can ask her to pay this. And so before I started to quote, like, here's the programs that I have. She looked at me and she said, Debbie, I can't afford not to hire you. What is it that you do? And that was such a good wake up call for me that here I had prejudged this. And she's such a like success story. Like she has met her financial goal every year, actually exceeded it. Um, and deals with a lot of like history. She grew up um, Amish. And so there's a lot of history with money there and like has worked through those things and is now a super successful um, massage therapist. She's a strawberry farmer and has multiple streams of income because I'm big on helping people have multiple streams. Well, it sounds like you've connected her desire and identity with actual ways to make money that are in alignment yeah. I know that's what I'm hungry for, and I know a lot of people out there are hungry for it and likely don't even know that that's a possibility. 
Val, that's so true. For me, it's, I think the joy of what I do is that I can help people see other possibilities. I live an and life. Like to me, we do a lot of either or. I'm like, well, why not both? Right. Like, and, and it's just helping people expand their mind to see things in a different way so that they see the possibilities of doing things in multiple ways. And that's why, honestly, I don't have a cookie cutter approach. I am creating the lit up life method because I run a women's year long mastermind and I have program coaches come in to help support that private coaching. Um, and so I need to have a method to show them some of the tools and techniques that I use. But I really, I have a huge toolbox. And then particularly for private clients, I customize that based on what they need because everybody's different. You know, there's some themes, Chris, you were alluding to that and asked about some themes that, you know, that I have a money story exercise that people talk to the wall and, you know, some people that are listening to this thing are, oh, she's woo-woo, right? But it works because- I like woo-woo here. It's all right. I do. Woo-woo's I okay do. okay here. Woo-woo's okay here. And it breaks it down so that then you can create a budget and not be afraid of it so that you can like create programs and realize that, you know what, if particularly if they're coaches, if they're a coach and they have sold three people on this program, it's time to raise your rate. It's the law of supply and demand. Nice. Right. And then when you raise your rate, you level up too and offer more value. Hmm. It's just natural. Yeah. Love that. What, tell me about the identity piece. Cause I think that's an important, we've talked about maybe yeah. um, born into identities or, or parts, if we do in parts work, like your, your yeah. adolescent, your teenager, whatever. But, but then there's the identity of like, this is who I am. Yeah. Um, I know you, you had mentioned before we, I th- think before we hit record, just the, uh, the four things that you are, uh, you're an igniter, but you had these other things. How, how do we, how do we begin to find or def- define our, our own identities? You know, it's a pretty simple, but not always easy exercise, we actually start to unwind and look into the past. Mm. I'm not a firm believer to stay in the past because that creates depression. And when you look forward and stay in the future, that creates anxiety, you know, so I'm really big on staying present where you're at. And faith to me is taking the first step, knowing the next step will appear, right? Mm. We don't have to have all thousand steps figured out. Yeah. But, um, I have people start to unwind and say, okay, if you're feeling X, Y, and Z, when was the last time you felt that? And then when was the last time before that? And when was the last time before that? And usually there's themes or when you think about being the happiest you've ever done in any kind of work that you were doing, what were you doing? Mm -hmm. And we start to delve into that. And then there, usually there's some kind of theme that shows up, you know, hence, My very first job when I was in high school, I used to compete nationally in piano and I taught piano lessons. Hmm. That was my job. So I was a teacher. Hmm. Ended up getting an education degree. I was a teacher, Hmm. right? And so that's a big piece. I was a corporate trainer for many years, right? So um, teaching is a big piece for me. And some people would argue that these are like things that you're doing. But when I'm being a teacher, when I'm connecting people, I love connecting people. If I am helping people heal, right, unlocking some of these things that have held them back, it's life changing. And to me, that's so critical. So when I think about being a teacher, being an influencer, being a healer and being a um, I don't know, I forgot the other one now that we're chatting. But um, if I'm doing one of those four things, I'm really happy. But if I'm doing all four, I am lit up. I love that. Yeah. Right. And so it's then about finding what's the right work for you then. 
Yeah, this is where I wanted to go because I think if I think about my vision of people leading their important work, everybody yeah. has something their heart wants to do and contribute to the world. But if you try to do that outside of your identities, if you try to do that uh, and you, or you try to do that in only one of your identities rather than all four where you can be lit up about it, then it can occur like um, exhausting, uh, overwhelming. You might yeah. think you're a martyr for a cause like but when you're when you're activating these identities uh, for the for the purpose of something that inspires you, a vision that inspires you. I mean, there's nothing better. I I'm, feel like I'm in that right now. I don't know that I've done all the work to get to what are the identities that are playing the game, but whatever they are undefined, they're all here. They're yeah. all playing because I'm fired up. And I'm lit up to use your word. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you can step into your purpose because to me, yeah. purpose can change. It has seasons. Sure. Right. And so um, it's tied heavily to that true identity. And for me, my true identity also has to do with my faith, right? But I talk in realms of universe because I don't want people to get yeah. caught up in the vernacular, right? Whatever it is for them, yeah. like having some kind of spiritual grounding is is important regardless of what that is. And so then as you start to investigate and look back into your past at times when you were happy, what ends up happening is you start to uncover, oh, well, I went to college and got a teaching degree because I thought that's what I should do, right? And then you go, okay, well, who who were you trying to please? What was that about, right? So I don't get into therapy. I have really good therapists that are around me. And when people start to dig into things that is it's not my expertise, I refer. And so there are quite, I do have some clients that like they do counseling and they they come see me because I know I'm only equipped up to a certain point, Sure, you know? Um, and some people have some very deep hurts with things, but when you're looking at trying to figure out then what makes you happy, it doesn't mean that if you have a business and you're disillusioned that you can't be happy. I'm the first one to say, go hire a really good accountant to do your books, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That is worth every penny you pay them. Um, and there are certain things that if it stops you from making revenue, go hire it out. I don't care if you don't have the money right now, you're not making the money because that's stopping you from making revenue. Yeah, I had yeah. that happen with my website. I'm like, I I, can, I know I can do this, but I kept stalling. And I'm like, I'm just hiring somebody to do this, right? Yeah. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. And and you have to have the faith that then the money comes from that. But going back to that question that you had, when you're not living in your true identity, like as an example, I know I've been an executive. I don't want to be the CEO of my own business. My business is growing and scaling, and it's going to be a large business that has large impact. And I know without a doubt, I'll continue to give the vision and do that. But I want to be working with people. I want to be leading these masterminds and I want to have somebody else dealing with all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And some of the smartest, most successful business people I know and that I have met through some great conferences I've attended are not the CEOs of their own business. Mm -hmm. It's not their it's not their lane of genius. I love that. So when you figure out what your true identity is and you can figure out how that then plays out, how that's executed or expressed yeah. into your purpose, that's what it's about. Yeah. yeah. And so even when I talk about making money, right? Like people are in business usually because they want to make some money. It's usually flexibility of schedule and they want to make money. And so it's important then to look at that piece of it because then I get some people that are super altruistic and they're like, well, I just want to make impact. Great, right? Like we do want to make impact. That's what it's about. But 
part of doing impact is making sure you have the financial means to contribute back into your business and into your own livelihood to do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And a lot of people are afraid to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Judgment, all that kind of stuff. I love, um, it's not the right word, but you're taking things that could be considered sort of ethereal or thematic and bringing them down into the nuts and bolts of we're here to make money that I, I, I have done a lot of personal growth uh, starting basically 1996. And so much of it was uh, uh, up on a particular level. And then I had to translate, how am I going to make money with this? <laughs> and I love that you're automatically translating it into something that people can apply and move the financial needle. And that's really important. And I also had another question. You said you're, you are an influencer and um, that's kind of a buzzword these days. I'm just curious how you see yourself as an influencer. Yeah, Val, thank you for bringing that up. So I am what I call a servant leader in training. And sometimes people get the wrong impression of what a servant leader is. A servant leader is not someone that lays over, plays dead, and everybody walks all over them. A servant leader has the tough conversations they, because they care so deeply, right? Like I don't worry, but I care deeply. And when I care deeply about someone, then one of the 10 characteristics, so Robert Greenleaf kind of coined servant leadership, and this is part of what I teach at Gonzaga, and um, Larry Spears went through and read all of his writings and came up with kind of 10 characteristics. There's other people that have done similar things, but one of the characteristics is persuasion. And to me, persuasion, a lot of times people have a negative connotation. And actually now to influencer, people are starting to have different, you know, filters of what that means. And really what that means is, is I know, Val, that like one of my lanes of genius is people trust me. And I don't take that lightly. So if I go, I just was having a conversation with someone today that was talking, it's fascinating about this like plasma bed that it like literally reverses aging of your cells. It's just fascinating to me, this kind of stuff. And so we were talking, I'm like, look, I know that if I go use this once or twice and I feel results, I am the first to share with people. You got to go check this out. This is really cool. And people fall into like, I don't want to say fall into, that's not the right word, but like they, they want to go try it. Like, I don't do that on purpose of saying, Oh, I'm going to be the Pied Piper and everybody's going to follow me. But I know that people trust me because I I'm honest, like that's a big value for me. And so when I say, Hey, this works for me, I don't know if it'll work for you. People, a lot of times will go book appointments with people. They'll go do those things. So it's more about, I can, I know I have the gift of persuasion, but I don't use that in a way for me, it's important to understand, like not going down a negative black hole piece of that. Right. Right. Yeah. You're serving leader being influential and persuasive. There's a big difference yeah. in who you're being. Yeah. Yeah. Thank so you for asking. Talk us, talk us through a little bit about uh, the lit up life and what um, I, I'm assuming like once we have some sense of identity that makes living a lit up life easier. Like walk me through what's your vision about lit up life and how do we start yeah. living a lit up life? Kind of my method. Is that what you mean? The method to the madness? Maybe the method or the vision around it or. Yeah. So 
I'll kind of say two things there. So the lit up life hasn't always been the lit up life. This just happened a couple of months ago. I do have a podcast named by the same name as what my company was, which is lead your life with Debbie Heiser. And I realized I changed my business model because most coaches, their business revolves around them and it's not scalable. And for me, the scalability is about making money, but it's also about making impact. And I know that I can only impact so many people and bringing coaches in that are really great coaches that just don't want to mess with all the stuff it takes to be in business is, is what I'm doing. And I'm pulling people into that. They're being attracted, you know, to doing that. And so it's about growing that business and helping people understand that through numerous different programs. Now, how I do that, and I'm kind of in the process, and when I say kind of in the process, my Myers-Briggs, I'm open to possibilities. So any papers I write, any books that I have going on, they sit up here for a while and they yeah. conjugate, and then yeah. bam, it all comes out. So I'm conjugating. Mm -hmm. But what I'm finding is like the first part of, or first book in the three-part series is all about uncovering what that true identity is, uncovering then how you want to manifest that or how that's expressed yep. in how you show up in service to the world. But the key piece to that is clarity. I talk to so many people that I say, what do you want? And they'll turn around and tell me what they don't want. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what you focus on gets bigger. And so getting really clear and then making the decision, but it's not just about making the decision. I can make the decision, but if I don't believe it's going to happen, guess what? It's not going to happen. So if I believe it's going to happen, that changes your whole entire vibration. And so therefore you're vibrating at a different, because we're all energy, right? We're all transmuted energy. And so then you start to vibrate at this level and that's what is attracted then to you. But how do you get to the place where you're believing that it will happen when you have a lot of evidence uh, in life that, you know, it's not like it's my first time of having a vision for something and wanting it to happen only to have it not happen. Yeah. So what's and the linchpin that gets me to believe it can happen? Well, I'd love to say there's one linchpin, but there, that's a lie. <laughs> Um, it's unlocking those double binds, right? Because in neuroscience, this is a very like high level neuroscience, your subconscious brain can accept and reject messages mm -hmm. and it can also create and innovate. Now, the unfortunate thing is, or fortunate, depending on, on which message is coming out, the messages you, you deflect with your conscious brain and say, no, I don't want to believe that they go into your subconscious because your subconscious can only accept messages. It cannot deflect them. Mm -hmm. And what happens is these messages then turn into beliefs and the beliefs then turn into actions, which then turn into habits. So if you want to break a habit or change a habit, you have to uncover the, the deeper belief or that habit doesn't change, right? And yeah. so being able to uncover those and be open to that. And, and as we're working through that, I say to so many clients, borrow some of the belief I have in you when you're lacking your own belief. Nice. And I back that up, yeah. right? Like I have, I have a client, I just had come on and talk to my mastermind about certain things. I'm not going to go into the details, but um, for confidentiality, but I had her come talk about certain things. She sold two programs, right? And it, not during that time, but after, because people were attracted to that. So it's about that because a lot of people have been beaten down 
And I think I heard you say somewhere, it might've been at one of the um, Thursday night, the first Thursday night thing about how ultimately it, it goes down to a self-worth issue Yeah, because we all want to be loved yeah. and we all have core wounds right? and those core wounds can get nicked sometimes. And, you know, like it used to be for me, if I called a 800 number and got a customer service agent, it was zero to 10. And I'm not an angry person, zero to <laughs> 10. And I could get like madder than I'll get out because people weren't listening to me, right? Like I had to uncover what that truly was about. Yeah. So anytime I tell people that they start to hit the rub, right? There's usually a learning lesson in that and a reminder that fear and excitement feel the same way in your body physiologically, it feels the same way. It's your brain that determines whether or not you're afraid or whether or not you're excited. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So for me, that belief piece, Chris, is different for each person. Uh, typically around, because I work in 12-month contracts, typically between four and seven months, people are like, I'm swimming in yogurt. Sorry. I, I talk with my hands and I have these things that go off. Um, <laughs> I... I, they typically go into this, I'm swimming in yogurt, I'm frustrated, and then they surrender. You talked about surrender. And once they surrender, the belief then starts to come in, Yeah. right? Yeah. And it truly is a decision. I call it the kidney because if you, we are all in patterns. So you have a circle, mm. right? We're in this pattern. We're in this pattern. Once you're aware of the pattern, then it becomes choice because it's no longer in your subconscious, you're consciously aware of it. So when you get to that point, you have a choice that you can break the cycle. Yeah. 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 I think but for me, too, aware. the, that, the, the lit up part, yeah. like you're talking about the, the, uh, the excitement or the fear, um, that, that feeling of being lit up about something is for me a lot easier on this side of believing mm -hmm. that it will happen versus trying to muster the the lit upness of a of a vision and a goal only to believe subconsciously subconsciously whatever that it's not going to happen that oh, i have a goal but what's the point because it never works out for me anyway and i think for those of us that have really big goals really big impact that we want to make in the world if we don't get the identity and the lit up part right if we don't get the belief in line then i think what happens is we we sort of um, relegate that to the back of the mind. Um, we shut it down with our heart. We're like, I can't have it anyway. And so then we don't end up, our heart wanted to do something big. Yeah. Everybody, I think everybody wants to do something big. Yeah. We're wired for expansion. We're wired to, con to contribute. Yeah. But if we don't believe that it's going to happen, then we end up just taking our toys and going home. Yeah. And so a lot of it is digging in, you know, and uncovering those double binds, because I would say the first six to seven months of a contract with me. And sometimes like I just had somebody, it took till month 10, no judgment there. Cause there's no right or wrong way to do this. Right. It's their journey. Of course. But even if it takes 10 months and I had one client that went all 12 months. And then when I hired her as a program coach, all of a sudden the belief shifted for her. Right. And now she's doing super successful things to the point where I don't think she's going to be a program coach anymore because she doesn't have time, right? Which is exactly what I wanted to happen. But what happens is we spend that time uncovering and digging through that stuff because once people do have that belief, and it might be shaky at first, yeah. and I always say, have an evidence bank. And it's not always evidenced from me, 
like masterminds I'm in, my friends that say, okay, this happened, right? Like I wanted to sign up for this thing and I thought, okay, it's not going to happen. And I got a check for the exact same amount that it would of the thing. That's evidence that the universal laws work, right? And so we're always talking about evidence banks to do that. But once that happens, then the, then the business planning, the tactical stuff, that's quick. That's easy. Yeah. 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 Love that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So it's not a linchpin, but once those pins all get pulled, yep. man. Yeah. yeah. But it's also not like some impossible buffet of options. Like I love that in this conversation, we're able to start to whittle down some, some very specific places to look yeah. so that those of us who have uh, a desire, a big vision and a desire to do more for the world and others um, through our business. Like there's some very specific places to go to look. Uh, Absolutely. To go to work, so. And Chris and Val, I would say too, that for me, like some people are like, oh good, I've done, well, no, we never finish. <laughs> right. Never. I mean, I've been doing this work for a long time, even as an executive, as a leader, right. Because you, you're constantly helping people. And up until actually this fall, um, my mastermind, we hired a guy named Peter Crone. He calls himself the mind architect. Um, I highly recommend just going out and searching some stuff of his. And he has a gift of really honing in. And I didn't, I was like stopping myself and I couldn't figure out why. And inherently realizing and uncovering that when I was, and I have done a lot of work around this, but when I was five, my sister was born and I heard my parents, my dad's friends say, oh, you didn't get your boy again. So my five-year-old brain interpreted that, that there was something wrong with me because mm. I wasn't a boy. Mm. And then they made my sister kind of the tomboy, right? And so uncovering and realizing that there was nothing wrong with me, I was the girl they wanted, completely shifted everything. Like I struggled coming up with my own method. Mm. I struggled coming up with the outline for my book because inherently deep in my subconscious, I thought there was something wrong with me. So if there's something wrong with me, how in the world would anybody want to listen to any of the stuff I have to say? Yeah. And it completely shifted. So that's where like it continues to just be layers, right? And and it's not about living in the past, but we have the the capability of changing the past. Like I thought for years that my dad was never around when I was born because all the stories we heard hmm. and it impacted my marriage. Right. Like not feeling like a man had my back. Well, I went back in 2020, my first single road trip back to Kansas City, and I had a conversation with my dad and come to find out he was at boot camp, you know, right at the end of the Vietnam War. And within 48 hours, he was at the hospital. I had never heard that. And I was 50 some odd years old. Wow. Right. So these things are the things that I help people uncover because it changes the vernacular of what you think you can do. Evidence banks. Yeah. Evidence. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Love that. That's so yeah. cool. Val, what, I mean, any final thoughts from you? I think this is a great place to wrap. Cause I think, I think we've left it to a place where people could reach out to you and learn more about, yeah. you know, the work you do, how to step into their lit up life, all those things. Um, any, anything else brewing over there for you, Val? No, cool. I, I, what I want to say is I'm so grateful to be talking with the both of you and to uh, get a, you know, it's over Zoom, so the window is only so wide, but I'm I'm glad to get some perspective on how you think and how you lead your life, Debbie. And I love that I got to meet you at the first Groundswell Collective event, and now here we are. And 
that's such an amazing process. So thank you for being here today. Absolutely. And I, I would like to share one last comment. So yeah. replace whatever words you want. And I got this from my mentor, Peter Crone. And what he says, and I think he uses joy or happiness, but even like when looking at a lit up life, hmm. having a lit up life is in the absence of searching for it. Hmm. Having happiness or joy is in the absence of looking for it or searching for it. Because we all have areas that we feel lit up, that we feel excited about in our life. And once you start to focus on what you already have, when it comes to joy, happiness, peace, whatever it is that you are searching for, Mm -hmm. once you identify where it's at in your life, it could be being healthy, whatever that is, then that gets bigger. Yeah. 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 So good. I love it. Debbie, thanks for being here. If people want to reach out to you and learn more about the, the work you're up to, where can they go? Yeah, just head out to my website. That's probably the easiest um, place to find out more. And you can set up a, a call or, you know, get in touch with us. But it's the lit the <laughs> lituplife.com. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hopefully hearing from some folks. I would love to have more conversation. I love these. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, so good. Thanks. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, just as a reminder, the uh, Spokane Business Insider is brought to you by the Groundswell Collective. That's what we're doing here. You know, we're collecting those who want to create groundswells in the world. So um, if you want to check out our events that are coming up, like Debbie mentioned, the uh, we have a th- second Thursday of the month. Every month is a free event to come check out uh, not only a good, good network with people like this and conversations like this, but some training as well. So go to the grounds, uh, go to groundswellcollectivespokane.com and uh, check out those events there. Val, thanks for being here, friend. Debbie, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. Um, until next time, everyone, take care. Thank you.